podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Talking Point after the British Grand Prix that will live very, very long in the memory for good and bad reasons. Uh, I'm Henry Valentine and with me is Finley from Rolder from Planet F1. Finley, how are you feeling after all that? Uh, tired, tired. Chaos of a race, hot weather in England, no sleep because nobody has air conditioned places here because we usually don't need it. So yeah, tired but excited to to relive it through this podcast again. Oh God, uh, me too. It's, it was such a, a brilliant race. But if you missed it, the story of it is Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen finally, finally came together. It was on the cards for a long, long time. And it was just unexpected, but at the same time, quite expected. On the uh, on the first lap, Hamilton and Verstappen were pretty much wheel to wheel around the first half of the whole lap. Then uh, then Hamilton managed to get Verstappen, uh, get a slipstream behind Verstappen, heading up towards Cops almost flat out as a corner and then uh, then they tagged wheels and Verstappen was sent piling into the wall at really really high speed and it, that is the big big talking point from the race isn't it could, could that be a seminal moment in this year's world championship yeah that feels like it feels like um, Vettel Hamilton that Baku moment where there'd been all these niceties all year and then Vettel lost his rag hitting you know deliberately hit Hamilton I mean I know it's not none of that happened yesterday the only kind of angle was the Verstappen tweet afterwards but it felt like it felt like the gloves came off I think um and because it's been a very kind of civilized title fight so far and we haven't seen them really go that hard wheel to wheel as we did yesterday I mean before we get into the crash I mean the, the the wheel to wheel racing between the two of them before the crash was incredible I mean that whole lap they spent it pretty much wheel to wheel the whole time and didn't come together uh initially really really good exciting racing but um yeah looking back it felt kind of inevitable that eventually they would when 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 uh you've got two drivers that aren't willing to give an inch I think absolutely but the the red flag was brought out as a result and uh, talk started about who was to blame uh, the stewards felt that the Hamilton was he was given a 10 second penalty and uh, do you think that was fair for him I think uh, on the whole a 10 second penalty was fair I actually thought when I first watched it, I thought Hamilton was pretty clearly to blame um not to the extent that Red Bull do I wasn't calling for a disqualification or anything <laughs> Um, but I, I, I just thought that Hamilton was never, I mean, Mercedes claim was that he was on alongside. I don't think he was ever quite fully alongside. I think Verstappen did have the lead going into Stowe, um, uh, cops rather. And because he had the lead, he kind of had the right to take the corner how he wanted to. And I think he took a pretty normal line. He left Hamilton space and Hamilton just stuck it up the inside, which, um, yeah, if if he was alongside or ahead going into the corner, that's obviously his right. But I just think that, yeah, I think he was more to blame for it just because Verstappen was ahead and had, it was his corner ultimately. And I think uh, if, he did, if he doesn't turn in any more than he did, he's not going to make the corner, I don't think. So I don't think he really did much wrong. Um, you can say maybe he should have, you know, hit the brakes, but why would he do that? 
Ultimately, I think a 10-second penalty was fair. I don't think it was quite as clear-cut as either Mercedes or Red Bull made out. I mean, Mercedes were there saying Hamilton did nothing wrong. Red Bull were there saying Hamilton... I mean, I think it was Marcus said he should be disqualified from, like, get a one-race ban or something, which Mm -hmm. is obviously ridiculous. Um, So, on the whole, I think the stewards got it right, which is, yeah, nice, because they didn't do it too much in the last round, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but it, opinion like, varied so, so much, didn't it? Because obviously from the extremes of Red Bull to the extremes of Mercedes, I enjoyed Toto Wolf just trying to send an email to Michael Massey, <laughs> the race director, and just getting completely slapped down. So just saying, I don't check my emails during the race. Like, that's that's yeah. that's great. But um, like both sides pleaded their case. But here's what the, uh, the official statement from the FIA said afterwards. Uh, so the stewards reviewed video and telemetry evidence at cars 33, which was Max Verstappen, and 44, Lewis Hamilton entered turn nine uh, with car 33 in the lead and car 44 slightly behind it on the inside a car 44 was on a line that did not reach the apex of the corner with room available to the inside when car 33 turned into the corner car 44 did not avoid contact the left front contacted the right rear of car 33 so car 44 is judged predominantly at fault um and looking back at tv replays that probably seems about fair because like i while he wasn't fully alongside i'd say at least his front wheels were probably quite close to to Verstappen's front wheels but uh, when you look at Hamilton's onboard as well I think Verstappen did offer enough space but like to to the point where it was just inches rather than feet uh, he, he'd already been pressed all the way up against the wall Hamilton and they uh, they came back to take the corner and on top of that I just think uh, if if Hamilton had made the apex I think there would have been room for two of them ultimately uh don't know yeah. how much room but I think that that could have been a key factor in deciding it so I reckon that's what pushed it towards Hamilton getting a penalty to it just being called a racing incident really yeah I think it was just a bit maybe too much aggression from him to just that keen to get ahead which in hindsight I'm not really sure why he did that because it looked pretty clear that he was a lot quicker in the straights at least so you would have thought he'd have gotten another more more clear-cut opportunity but obviously you don't think like that as a time as a racing driver i imagine um yeah i think the key was that verstappen was just about ahead it was just about his corner and yeah hamilton was behind and kind of yeah missed the apex as you said so yeah i think that ultimately the call was right and i mean at the end of the day it's not that important all that matters is that verstappen was okay and he was, I mean, because that was a 51G impact, which yeah. is not quite, I can't remember what the Grosjean one was, but I think it was in the 60s. Um, so it's not quite that, but it's still pretty darn high. Um, yeah. And I mean, it felt it felt like a big one as soon as it happened, because I think I think Verstappen's car got slightly airborne as well. Not 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 it much, did. but it, the t- the tire came off um, yeah. the hinges as well. Yeah, which was scary to see, you know, when you see a driver kind of, you know, go airborne while flying into the wall. Um mm. and I mean, you see it was 51G that was after it's being slowed down by gravel as well. So it's yeah, it was a huge impact and ultimately, you know, when you look at that penalties feel pretty irrelevant at the end of the day. I mean, the main thing is that Verstappen was okay. Um and I think for the neutral, it's really what well, ignited the title fight, both in the fact that they're a lot closer in points now and the fact that for the first time, they're not all lovey-dovey with each other, um, <laughs> which is going to make things more interesting going forward for sure, isn't it? It really is. And, um, you know, on, on terms of the... Uh 
the move itself, it did make you wonder if Hamilton was trying to get the move done early because Red Bull had been like, comfortably better than Mercedes in, in the second sector, which included the sort of twisting section of Magnus and Beckett's. So that would have been after <laughs> after Cops. So that could have allowed this to some breathing room, which ultimately could have kept him in the lead of the race. So I do wonder if Hamilton was really, really desperate to get past before then at the same time. But to see the two of them come together and... Uh, and you, like you say, the gloves finally come off is uh, is really interesting because Verstappen tweeted after the race uh, that he felt it was disrespectful and unsportsmanlike behaviour from uh, from Hamilton when he went on to win. Um, but you know, to to mitigate that, uh, it turns out Lewis Hamilton didn't actually know that he'd been in hospital. Yeah, yeah, I think I fully understand where Verstappen's coming from. I mean, if that happens to me and I'm sat in hospital after being punted off by my rival and they're then celebrating. And the only thing they say about me is, well, he was too aggressive. He kind of got what he deserved. I'd be pretty peed off. Um, but like you said, Hamilton didn't know that Verstappen was in hospital. And I feel like someone really should have told him before, because he found out in the in the Sky interview afterwards. So after Yeah, in the media during, pen, yeah. Yeah, in the media pen, after the, the podium interview and stuff. And I feel like... Um, Maybe Bono on the team radio should have told him or Jensen Button in the podium interview early on because it did come across as kind of, it left a bit of a a sour taste, I think, in my mouth. But it's obviously not Hamilton's fault, really, because he didn't know that Verstappen was in hospital. I'm sure if he knew that Verstappen was in hospital immediately, then he wouldn't have criticised Verstappen's driving uh, and called him too aggressive. But... um, so, yeah, I don't think it's... I understand Verstappen's point of view and I don't think his tweet is out of order or anything, but I also think that, you know, you can't really put all the blame on Hamilton for it, can you? No, not at all. I think uh, that, that kind of gets lost in 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 this conversation, really, as you say, that there were multiple chances for, for Hamilton to have been told about it. He did come on team radio and ask if he was OK in the immediate aftermath of this was before he was taken to hospital. Um like you say, I think either Pete Bonington or Jensen should have said something because I think the words probably got slightly more heated than they needed to mm, after, yeah. after that. But I mean, it's great to watch for us as fans, but I hope that, that now, I mean, either listening to us or seeing elsewhere, you know, that comes across because I think that that could be a big factor in how the incident and, and the words about each other are sort of perceived afterwards, really. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think it is getting a bit out of hand, I think, in the in the kind of F1 world in general. I mean, at the end of the day, it was maybe slightly Hamilton's fault, the incident, but not anything crazy, a fairly standard crash in F1. Um, and then, yeah, I think Verstappen being annoyed with him after his reaction was largely just a, a misunderstanding in kind of both parties. And then... Yeah, it's just got, I mean, obviously there's been some racist abuse aimed at Hamilton, which is, yeah, just really sad and unacceptable and shouldn't happen at all. Um, regard, I mean, obviously, even if Hamilton purposely punts Verstappen off the track, that is still not justified, that, that kind of abuse. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's just, well hopefully everyone can just kind of move on from the incident really you'd hope so and um Hamilton throughout his career has always been sort of described as a very clean racer hasn't he he's never done the 
the sort of Senna Prost, like even to a degree Vettel thing of just trying to either get his elbows out too much or deliver- deliberately doing something quite nefarious, really. And uh, I, I think he feels that, that that's the same still. You know, it, I think I do wonder if opinions turning on that because of the, the nature of the crash and how how it all came about. But you know, Lewis even tweeted himself that it's you know that's never the way that he wants racing to go. And uh, you'd hope uh, for the two of them that they're able to sort of put it behind them, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, hopefully they can because, like you said, it's not it's not the type of racer Hamilton is generally. Um, and I think as well, if Verstappen stops in the gravel earlier, doesn't smash into the barriers, it's probably not much of a. It's not that much of a talking point, really. It's yeah. just uh, I, maybe Hamilton still gets a penalty, but I think he gets the penalty and everybody's kind of moves on from it. You know. I yeah. think it's just the nature of Verstappen, you know, hitting the barrier that hard um, to the extent where he has to go to hospital afterwards really kind of riled a lot of people up, I think, um, especially with that, how Hamilton then going on to win as well. Again, if Hamilton, uh, uh, there's so many things that, 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 I mean, again, what if, if there's no red flag, Mercedes said that they would have retired Hamilton from the race. So again, it becomes a bit of a moot point because it's like, well, they're both out. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of factors I think that really stirred it up, and um, not just with the fans. I mean, obviously with Verstappen as well, with the Verstappen. It's yeah, it feels like you know the title fight was quite a conservative one before, but now it's uh, it's really come to life. And I mean, not just with that incident. I mean, just looking at the points now, it's. Uh, not long ago, it felt like Verstappen was running away with it, but now suddenly, one race, and it's um, what, eight points in it, I think. Yeah, it feels like someone's got lost there that Lewis Hamilton actually went on to win the race. It was a brilliant race after that as well, wasn't it? I mean, for him to like, not only recover from that penalty to to win, I just think the manner of the race itself, it, the way it played out, was just really, really exciting for us to all watch. Um, do you think that recovery drive is probably up there one as best? Yeah, I think so for sure. I think it was just, I think what makes it so good is that it was just, it all came in that second stint, really. It was just like he just flipped a switch for it because the after the red flag, he is pretty unspectacular, even disappointing to an extent. I think even by we all expected him to kind of get off the line get ahead of Leclerc immediately. Um, and we'll come on to just how good Leclerc was in a bit. But it was a, a, a bit of a disappointment for Hamilton, the fact that he couldn't, well, not, let alone get ahead of Leclerc. He couldn't even challenge him, really. He didn't try one move and the gap remained at around two seconds. You know, it was a bit lower, a bit higher at times. Um, so at that point, you're thinking with the 10 second penalty, he's going to struggle to get on the podium. You know, I mean, he, he pitted and rejoined uh, well P5. behind Norris yeah P5 out, yeah. yeah well behind Norris and I think if Sainz didn't have a bad pit stop it would have been fairly close to him as well so at that point you're thinking there's no way he's gonna win but then his pace on that last stint was just out of this world I mean he had a, he had a guy in the same car up ahead of him in Bottas and he just made it look so easy catching him passing him and then Leclerc again it was he did not have a lot of time but he closed that gap with yeah, just such such pace. Um, 
brave to to go for the overtake that he did after what happened mm. with Verstappen. But I think Leclerc had, uh, well, taken some less, looked at what happened to Verstappen and thought, well, I'm not going to risk that. Um, but yeah, all in all, it was you know, one of Hamilton's best drives of the season for sure. I mean, if you just forget about the impl- you know, the incident itself, the fact is he had a 10 second penalty and yet he still went on to win um, pretty comfortably ahead of his teammate in the same car who, so yeah, it was all in all, uh, yeah, seriously impressive drive from him. And you could see afterwards that he was absolutely exhausted as well, because like Silverstone has always been a really physical track anyway, but uh, in that heat, in that, like in that moment as well for him to have the clarity of thought and the pace to come back through was absolutely like ridiculous for me and like it just shows like what what a racer and what a champion he still is so um so here's the the story of the world championship now then so he's now eight points behind Verstappen uh, it would have been seven but for Sergio Perez being pitted by Red Bull and uh, stealing the fastest lap point from him which is probably quite a clever move from them yeah. uh, it's now it's now Hamilton's 99th race victory so he's one away from becoming the first ever centurion of race wins in uh, in Formula One which is you know, uh, if once that happens, we'll probably uh, talk about that in much more detail. Uh, Mercedes are now four points behind Red Bull in the uh, in the constructors' championship as well, so it feels very, very much game on again. Oh uh, yeah, it does. It's it's amazing how quickly things can change. And uh, yeah, I mean, God, can you imagine Hamilton wins the next race, goes level with Verstappen in the title fight while taking his one hundredth win. I mean, that would be. That'd be a big moment in the in the in his career in the season as a whole. Um, I mean, he loves the Hungara ring as well, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's uh, very much possible. I mean, yeah, eight points. So if Hamilton wins, Verstappen second. Hamilton takes fastest lap. There you go, level on points. He takes his hundredth win. We're for a neutral. That's great. Um, yeah, and I mean that's the thing is that I think for for from a purely neutral fans' perspective ultimately things are in a better place now than they were before Silverstone because both title fights are very much on um, thanks to Hamilton's win and the fact that Sergio Perez just didn't really show up all weekend. Um, Red Bull lead over Mercedes just kind of disintegrated in the Constructors' Championship. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting going... I mean, obviously, we don't want drivers to crash and it would have been better of this title fight came to life with something other than Verstappen uh, being sent flying into the barriers. But, you know, when you look at the the, the context of the season as a whole, it's, um, it's pretty exciting going forward now. That's it. We're almost at the halfway point now as well. So it's absolutely flying along this season. It feels... Like, how good does it feel to have a proper, proper championship fight still? It's, it's so exciting to watch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I think... Uh... I think it'll go down to the wire as well, which is great because we haven't had that really since, well, since 2016 with Rosberg Hamilton. Um, I mean, I think it all relies on now. Can Verstappen keep a cool head? You know, Um, I think he needs to learn from what happened with Vettel, whereas, you know, know, Vettel kind of lost his head in Baku and his title fight kind of fell apart after that, really. And so I think Verstappen needs to learn from that. Just put this, this race weekend behind him. Uh, get his head back in the game because I think he's got the car and he's got the ability to to make it a really close fight and maybe even win. Um, I'd say it's probably still in his hands, but 
I don't know. It's a tough one. It could really go either way at this point. There's, I don't think there's a, there's a, a big favourite either way, is there? No, not at all. And that's <laughs> that's probably the best thing for it and the best thing for the season as a whole. And we can't wait to see how it uh, how it all pans out. But in the rest of the race, when, when the red flag uh, came out, Charles Leclerc actually took the lead of the race and he led all the way through until three laps from the end. And uh, we need to talk about just how good that drive was from him because in, in a Ferrari that should maybe be the third or fourth fastest car to be leading for that for that long and keeping Bottas comfortably behind him as well. That's a phenomenal drive from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was unbelievable. I mean, you know, he... I don't know, we say he lucked into the lead, but he, he was there by rights because of his... how good he was. I mean, in sprint qualifying, he um, obviously he got P4, was right behind Bottas the whole time, way ahead of the rest of the midfield. Um, so he, he earned his spot on the grid and then made a great start to get ahead of Bottas. Um, and then obviously that led to him taking the lead. And then after that, I think, it, you know, like I said, I, I think I, as well as everyone else, kind of expected Hamilton to just get ahead at the restart pretty pretty comfortably. But it wasn't the case at all. I mean, Leclerc, he, he, he never really looked that under pressure either. He was... He was building the gap at times. And I mean, this was with engine issues as well. I mean, it, it, I think his engine kept cutting out at certain points. So It did, yes. Yeah. Um, he, he wasn't very happy on team radio either when that was happening. You could you could tell the stress in his voice because of how much he wanted it. And mm. apparently after the race, when, when he did come P2, he was, you know, swearing over it and just like, he's really hard on himself anyway isn't he he's always yeah he's always his own worst critic but apparently he was uh apparently he was in a very sweary mood after the race but i yeah. think that's just a reflection on the competitor he is and uh for him to be gutted to not win that race says a lot about how he felt in that ferrari on sunday yeah i mean the, the fact is that he was I mean, you know, you can hear from his team radio, he was pushing. I mean, he said after the race that it, he wasn't pushing 100%, he was pushing 200%. You know, he was giving absolutely everything. And he didn't really, he didn't have to do that because it's in a Ferrari. P2 is still a great result in that Ferrari. Um, he could have so easily, you know, um, taken his foot off the gas a bit, you know, make sure, make sure that the engine issues were okay and settle for second. But he didn't, and he so nearly pulled it off as well, which would have been an unbelievable achievement given the machinery he's got. And I mean, it's still an unbelievable achievement to to get P2 pretty comfortably ahead of Bottas, to be honest. Um, I think as well he was smart with his defending against Hamilton or lack of it. Obviously, Hamilton decided to repeat his his Verstappen move and Leclerc yeah, at Cops. Yeah. Yeah. At Cops and Leclerc, I think wisely, he obviously he was right behind the Verstappen and Hamilton when that incident happened. He said after the race that his mind went to that incident, you know, he saw what Hamilton did then. And he thought, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stay out, go stay a bit wider <laughs> here, I think, which ultimately was a good call because, you know, P2 is still a great result for him. And it was, yeah, I think for me, it was probably my driver of the weekend. I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you there as well. And um, just on the Hamilton cops front as well, he also got past Lando Norris there, didn't he? So that, yeah. that crash didn't didn't put him off in the slightest, really. But uh, yeah, I completely agree with you on Leclerc. He just put in a phenomenal weekend. But as for his Ferrari teammate, Carlos Sainz, like, he couldn't buy luck this weekend, could he? No, no, it was real contrast. I mean, Sainz, qualifying, to be fair, you know, that was his own... 
fault it wasn't a good result uh, ending up that low down but then you know he made a really good start in the sprint race I think was looking set to to, to gain a few places from where he started in qualifying but then obviously gets hit by George Russell who locked up and sent him off off track um recovers really well to get p11 continues to make his way up the grid in the race on sunday um got up to can't remember if we got ahead of ricardo or not but it was either p5 or p6 um again looking really good and then obviously got that 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 dodgy pit stop that that kind of ruined things for him i mean without that pit he would have come out comfortably ahead of ricardo probably right around norris um and Hamilton, when Hamilton pitted with his penalty. So, yeah, it was a rough weekend for Signs. He just didn't get any luck come his way. Um, but, I mean, he, he said it He said it himself after sprint qualifying. It was kind of his own fault for being in that kind of lower midfield brawl because of a bad qualifying session. But it just shows how important every single lap is, you know, especially with that new format. We went in depth about that when uh, just after it happened as well. So if you head to the Planet F1 YouTube channel, you can get our immediate reaction to that as it happened. And uh, for for science as well, like he he had such bad luck in the race. It was uh, it was very slow left front, wasn't it? It was a twelve second pit stop, and without that, like Ferrari could have um, clawed themselves even closer to McLaren, couldn't they? Because they yeah. looked like they very much had the upper hand in that battle this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of that battle, I think Ferrari they were comfortably had the third fastest car there. I mean, Leclerc was so far ahead of Norris and Ricardo. You know, the gap was huge. And I know science finished just behind Ricardo, but that was with a, it was like a 12 second pit stop or something. You know, it was, uh, yeah, a really bad pit stop that, that that was the only, if it wasn't for that, he would have come out ahead of Ricardo and he would have been right there with Norris as well, uh, despite starting the race a lot lower down than those two. So, yeah, it was a really good weekend from Ferrari as a whole. Um, yeah, the fight for P3 and the constructors is getting really interesting again. But I mean, you look at, especially Leclerc, I think you look at how good Leclerc was and you think, oh, please, Ferrari, just build him a top car for next season. Because, you know, having Hamilton and Verstappen in fairly even machinery at the front is great. Can you imagine throwing Leclerc into that mix as well? It would just be... Oh, it'd be so much fun. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's good to see Ferrari getting better. You just hope it continues. Yeah, I honestly think the science will be in that battle as well. You know, he is he's shown himself to be, if not on Leclerc's level, but extremely close to it. He's um, he's had a brilliant season in that Ferrari. And um, yeah, but for, but for some bad luck, he'd have uh, been probably challenging Norris. But, and it's just a shame for, for Norris and Ricardo and Bo- uh, and Science, sorry, that they couldn't even get close to Bottas in the end. Another driver that needs a lot of plaudits for the weekend is Fernando Alonso. I mean, we all saw that ridiculous start he got in sprint qualifying, uh, gaining six places in the first lap. And he, he made the most of it in the race, didn't he? He still managed to, to come home P7 and he, he, he looked... Back like back to the Alonso that we all know and love. He said after the race that he feels like more of a racer again. Do you think that's a, a fair assessment? God, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we all expected him to be pretty pretty punchy in the sprint race as one of the best um, wheel-to-wheel races on the grid. And there's someone who doesn't always, over one lap, he's, you know, not one of the best ever. 
so he does often start lower down than than his kind of ability Sunday race pace abilities. Um, and that was again the case really for the sprint race. And yeah, he just flew off the line. Uh, I think he gained seven places on the first lap, which is crazy. And then yeah, the the Sunday was less eventful, but given the the car he had finishing P seven, just about holding off Lance Stroll, I think it was is um, yeah, really good result for him. And I mean, honestly, every week. He's just making us look more and more anyone really, anyone that, that suggested he was maybe past his best, just looking more and more foolish because he's in recent times he's looked so good. And I mean, oh, isn't it just isn't it just great that he's back in the sport again? I mean, I'm feeling really, really grateful that he chose to to bless us all with his talents again. <laughs> oh, same here. I mean, he called it uh, probably Alpine's best performance of the season because he said, you know, they got P6 in Baku, but he said that was a bit of a freak result. So for them to be, you know, P7 on pure pace was uh, was good for him. And uh, on your point about him not being the best qualifier, uh, he's got 22 pole positions in his career, 32 wins. So that, that kind of backs that up, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I remember Mark Webber saying it once, actually, that and he, he knew Alonso very well. He said that over one lap, Alonso was, really wasn't... I mean, he was still good, of course, but he wasn't up there with the kind of category of drivers that you put him with, you know, that the Hamiltons, uh, the Vettels, you know, those kind of drivers. Um, but his, yeah, his racecraft is still incredible. And even even at this age, it looks, it looks as good as ever. Um, it really does. And I mean, yeah, I think he's, he's banished any kind of doubts that he should have returned. Um, and... Well, I'm just excited to see him next year in with the new regulations, hopefully in a car that's maybe a bit better than just midfield. Um, because I still think that if he was in a top car, he would give Verstappen and Hamilton a run for their money, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've always been a bit of um bit of an Alonso fan in that regard because like we we've spoken before on episodes of this about how he's been able to wrangle midfield cars like way higher than they should be so uh, given the right machinery I still fully believe he'd be right in there and Daniel Ricciardo was uh, was full of praise for Alonso as well after sprint qualifying he uh, he described his racecraft as being one of the best on the grid or if not the best on the grid at times this season and I think that that shows that he's still got the respect of other drivers on the grid hasn't he they still know how good he can be yeah that was a really interesting comment from Ricciardo you don't often hear a driver say that about another driver um at least while they're still on the grid and haven't retired you know so yeah i think that spoke volumes really um i think he is still very highly thought of and yeah i mean i i think he earns that respect as well he doesn't generally ever push things over the edge with his he's a very hard racer but he always tends to be fair i think we've seen that a lot this season actually you know his his start in sprint qualifying was obviously a masterclass in, in how to race. Um, and he's had a lot, I remember he had a battle with Kimi. Uh, I think it was in Austria where again, it was just so hard, but never, there was never a point where, you know, he kind of looked like crashing into him or anything. So yeah, I mean, on the whole, it's just, just a really good time to be an F1 fan, really. When you've got Hamilton, you've got Verstappen, Leclerc, Alonso, you've got Norris impressing. I mean, yeah, it's there are a lot of really impressive performances this weekend. I think from from a lot of the well best drivers of the season. Um, I think they showed that they're probably the the best on the grid. I think you know, especially 
Hamilton, Leclerc, Alonso. They were probably the standouts. And um, yeah, that lines up with pretty well who I'd say are up there with the best drivers on the grid. And it was a shame for one of the other world champions on the grid, uh, Sebastian Vettel, because he was going wheels with Alonso, wasn't he? And uh, he tries to get his foot down too early out of uh, out of Love Field, and he ended up sort of spinning towards uh, towards the pit, the old pits, and that kind of ruined his race, didn't it? Yeah, it was a throwback to his latter Ferrari days, that the kind of uh, spinning by himself. But all in all, I, yeah, it's, it's a shame because we saw it in sprint qualifying. And in the race, Vettel Alonso going wheel to wheel. And it was great. It took me right back to 2012 again, you know, for our EV Red Bull. It was really cool to see. And I think both of them, you know, both of them raced really well up until the fact, up until the point where, uh, yeah, Vettel went spinning, which unfortunately just ruined his race completely. Um, but before that, I think he he looked pretty good in, in qualifying and in sprint qualifying. Um and yeah, like I said, it's just really cool to see these these world champions still around on top of their game this this much later. I mean, it's been almost 10 years since their title fight now, which seems crazy. And yet here they both still are fighting each other for points uh, and holding their own against much younger drivers. And that's great to see too on track, but off track Vettel's been uh, making headlines again after, uh, after what was it? Helping construct a B hotel in Austria. <laughs> He's uh, he was videoed after the race because he had organized a fan litter picking event. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That was great. That was, uh, it was, I felt like it was, it was what my, my Twitter timeline needed at the time. Obviously there was a lot of, arguing about the Verstappen Hamilton incident and he was to blame and all of that stuff and then uh, in the midst of all of that you just see a, a video of Sebastian Vettel picking up litter at Silverstone and you just think yeah it was just really really nice a really a cool thing for him to do and I think uh well there's a reason that he's arguably I think the most kind of universally liked driver in f1 these days i mean kimmy's pretty loved as well i suppose but, you <laughs> for know, different reasons probably yeah yeah but it was really cool to see it especially i mean you know you look at it you think that's a four-time formula one world champion there an absolute legend of the sport and he's just there helping up pick you uh, helping pick up litter and clean up when he really he doesn't have to do that you know it, he, he doesn't gain anything personally from it it's just a, a kind thing to do and it was um yeah really really nice to see yeah like you say no one is forcing him to do that and I mean it probably wasn't always the case that he was the most universally like driver on the grid especially yeah. when he was winning but the fact that I mean I wonder if part of that is because he he doesn't put any of himself like out there on social media for people to see, but uh, in the age where people are being able to take photos of him or filming him doing stuff like he never, he never seeks attention, does he? And he, he shows that uh, outside the car, he's, he, he comes across as like quite a normal bloke, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that made the litter cleaning up so great. I think was that if he was doing it in front of like Aston Martin cameras, you know, talking to the camera for some social media video, then you would have thought, oh, they, he's, you know, they're just doing this for some good content. But it wasn't. It was, there were no cameras. It was just some fan that, that was there that saw him and started filming him. You know, that's the only reason it got out in the first place, really. It was, yeah, he, he didn't do it 
to for his image or anything um which is yeah i i love the fact that drivers are more open these days you know on social media and twitch and stuff and we get a bit of a better idea of their personal lives but it is still refreshing i think and admirable that vettel doesn't buy into that and um i think as well you mentioned that he probably wasn't the most popular driver in the past um and i think that is partly because he was winning and you know it's makes the sport more boring but I think he's also matured a lot um since his Red Bull days for sure I think his time at Ferrari um I don't know if it maybe humbled him a bit or something but I I think that you could see a pretty clear change from when he left Red Bull in 2014 to to when he left Ferrari last year it was yeah I think he has changed a lot to the point now where he is yeah like I said one of the most popular drivers and um Hopefully it kind of rubs off on younger drivers, you know, hopefully we see them doing that, that kind of stuff as well. Which would be lovely to see as well, but looking forward now, two races to go until the summer break, uh, Hungary and Belgium, like how important now in the context of the championship is this going to be? Yeah, it's massive. It's massive. I think, um, and it's interesting tracks as well. You've got Hungary where Hamilton's got to be the favorite, um, his record there, but Verstappen's effectively going to have a home crowd, I imagine, at Spa. Um, I'm not sure what the restrictions are like for that race, actually. But if the crowd is allowed, I imagine he'll have it. Um, and I think both of them are really going to want to be taking the lead into the summer break. Because I, uh, as a fan, you know, like in, in football, for example, if in an international match, you know, after a match, you have to wait a long time to watch your team play again. So when Holland lose an international match and you then have to wait, I don't know, four months or something for another one. You're just kicking yourself the whole time wanting the next match to come along. And I think that that, that that's exactly the same for F1. I think if Hamilton and Verstappen go into this summer break trailing the other one, they're just going to, I don't think they'll be able to enjoy that month off. You know, they'll just no. be there kicking themselves about something they could have done differently to make sure they had the lead of the championship. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a thing, isn't it? It's only halfway through the season, really. I mean, statistically, it's not that important who's leading going into the sound break. But I think mentally it will be such a boost for whoever does stay ahead and such a blow for whoever ends up behind. Um, I mean, I've got no idea which way it's going to go. But uh, I mean, well, that's the way that, that's the way it should be, I guess, isn't it? Absolutely. And I can't wait to see what happens in a couple of weeks time. And what you can do in the meantime, you can keep up with everything that's going on in the world of Formula One by heading to planetf1.com. We will have you more than covered there. And make sure you follow us on social media too. Uh, on Twitter, we're at planet underscore F1. Uh, Instagram, we're at planetf1.com. And on Facebook, just type in planet F1 and you'll be able to find us. Uh, and Finley, I'm really looking forward to, to, to what happens next. And thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I... Yeah, can't wait for the season to come. I think we, uh, yeah, like I said, it's not what you want, that kind of incident at the start of the race, but for the context of the title fight for us fans, it's, um, it's a very exciting time now after that result. Absolutely, and thank you very much for listening, and we will speak to you soon. Podcast Network.